You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with members of the band Alien Weaponry. The lads hail from New Zealand. I'm going to read out three of the members that you're going to be listening to a conversation with. Louis de Jong, he's on guitar and vocals. Henry de Jong is the drummer and percussionist. And Ethan Trembath is the bass guitarist. Let's have a listen to what the lads have to say. I probably should say before we cut to that, the reason for the conversation was to promote the band's upcoming album called Two. Here we go. Rightio, gosh, how's the old I call phonogrind? How's the Aussie phonogrind been treating you? You know, having the interviews one after the other. Oh, oh, hey, yeah. it's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Never done this in, this many interviews in such a short. First amount of couple time. are a bit rusty, and then you get into the flow of it, you know. Oh, gotcha. Now I'm from Queensland, lad. So have we been giving you? We can't give you any stick about the rugby because you buggers bloody beat us every year. So um, has anybody yeah. brought that up? Don't yet? talk to us about rugby. We don't follow it at all. Okay, right. I'll keep that one off limits then. All good. <laughs> all good. <laughs> well, so we're against it? No, we're not against it. It's just we don't really watch sport. Okay. Look, I can understand that. You know, it's one of those things. Look, I'm Just I'm 39. Creatives that don't understand it. Look, I, I totally understand these things, but you must have at least grown up playing a little bit of it. I know I did. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, I played, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I was more into football. Auckland I'm, Central I'm, School, man. That was like every lunch time. I, I was kind of yep. low key into basketball for a bit. Uh Oh, wicked. Yeah, same here, actually. Rugby and basketball were my two things at school as well. Cricket, but then cricket got very boring very quickly, being out there in the middle of a field field. Like, I'm more into, like, the individual sports, like surfing and skating and stuff, yeah. Oh, wicked. Okay. All right. So, are you guys on tour at the moment? Uh, no, no. We are currently practicing songwriting um, and just getting ready for... Um, songwriting, mostly. Yeah, yeah our tour. Because we've got, we've got a bit of a break now, and, like, you know, we haven't done songwriting in a long time, and, like... I've it just feels right for us to get be, be, be getting back into it, you know? Mm, it does. Well, look, you know, I'll kick things off from the interview's perspective. I really want to congratulate you fellas first up because what you're writing is tremendously catchy, groove-oriented thrash that reminds me so much of early prong and early 90s Celtic Frost. Now, if you know me, that's as big a compliment that I can offer a band as far as I'm concerned. So, lads, what was the inspiration for starting the band? Um. Me and Henry um, have grown up in a really musical household, and um, we've always been encouraged to express ourselves through art and music. And um, I feel like, you know, me and he- as me and Henry were jamming as kids, we just kind of, you know, just built it from there. And um, in 2010, 2010, I think, yeah, we. We recorded a horrible video in our lounge of us just, you know, mucking around and jamming. And um, yep. that's kind of when it started with the name Alien Weaponry. And um, okay. yeah, um, we moved up to Waipu about five years ago, six. About six years ago, we moved up to Waipu, and um, that's where we found Ethan. It's a funny story how we met Ethan, actually. Um, um, I, we actually met him at a circus school. Right. Yeah. Riding, first, riding unicycles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, cool. I first met Lewis at primary school, and then um, I got to know him further at um, the local circus school. It was called Circle Circus. Awesome. Okay. I've seen Henry there, and one day my mum couldn't pick me up after a circus gig, and so I went home along with a bunch of other mates um, to Lewis's place. Yep. And... Lewis and Henry were in the band room just jamming along, and um, Neil was kind of passing out, passing around the bass, 
and um, just to the other kids. And I was the only kid there that could reach the end of the base. So kind of by default, okay. we abducted him and forced him to be in the band. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're like, you're not leaving this house until you join the band. He's like, all right, all right. Band yeah. practice on Tuesday. Yeah, so, yeah. That's we, one yeah. way of doing it. Believe me, I've been in plenty of bands yeah, myself, and you have so much trouble getting people to bloody actually attend rehearsals, don't yeah. you? So. Yeah. Well, Ethan's Ethan's mum has been really good with that because for the past what five, five years, five and a half years, she's. Taken him to down. pretty much every band practice. Yeah. So, and Ethan's okay. just got his learner's license, so he'll be taking himself soon. I actually didn't realise the age of you guys, and it's not really that important anyway, given the maturity and the music you're producing, but is that something that gets brought up quite a bit, the fact that you are quite yeah. young? Yeah, I mean, like, um, it's, it's funny, um, we've had a couple of questions, uh, about our age and, like, whether we cop shit for it. Um, and, like, my answer to that would be, like, you know, like, we used to, um, hmm. but kind of since everything has happened, like, this year with all the festivals and stuff in Europe and, and kind of just everything that's happening and mm-hmm. how well everything's going, I think a lot of the people that were giving us shit for being so young and kind of, you know, thinking that maybe you know, we, we weren't that great or whatever, have kind of shut up. And, like, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, like, you know, the times that we do get shit from our, for our age, you always have to think that, like, if that's the only thing that they can think of to criticise you about, you know, you're getting off pretty lightly, eh? So, well, I'll yeah. tell you, tell you one, bit of, one bit of praise that you guys did receive, which I think was phenomenal, and this was from um, TV One Breakfast music correspondent Sarah Gandy. I don't know whether you've seen it, but she said these yeah. guys, as in you guys, could be bigger than Lord in terms of New Zealand's musical exports. Yeah, so in that one. you've got to feel that, good that when you get praise cool. like that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We hope. <laughs> yeah, cross our fingers and hope. <laughs> well, I think it's wonderful. And, and practice a lot and write write good music. Stick to it. Well, stick to to what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I think I think it's very important that people focus on the music. It's important with anybody they do that, but I think it's particularly important with you lads that that happens because the music is top shelf. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I'm having a chat to you. You're mining a sort of music that, that I don't think is being mined. There's Five Finger Death Punch and there are a few other bands, but I tell you something, we're moving into a very unique phase where bands like, I don't know whether it'll be Metallica, but I tell you something, Judas Priest are about to shuffle off into retirement. There's a lot of other bigger bands when that's going to happen. And there's going to be all of these opening slots, or not opening slots, they're going to be headlining slots and mid-tier slots in US and European festivals. And I see you guys doing a lot of that before you graduate into headliner status, like what Korn just did at Download in Melbourne recently. So is that is that something that you envisage yourselves doing eventually? Oh, yeah. definitely. I mean, once we've got our goal of, playing a Varkin out of the way, I think our next goal was actually headlining festivals festivals like Varkin, Varkin, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you certainly got the album to do it here, and you're talking about writing again, so is the stuff that you're writing, is that in a similar vein to the stuff that's on two? Um, me me and Ethan have actually um, started working on a concept today, and um, I actually don't know exactly how similar or different it's going to be. You know, it's kind of something that you look at and compare, like, after you've done it, eh? Yes, I get it, yeah. And, I mean, it's... It it all just kind of happens as it comes. Like, with with our songwriting, um, 
we we do it all just jamming. So we like, get all our ideas having a jam. I feel like a lot of stuff has happened between we've written between when we've written the last album and started writing the new ones. Well, well, songs for like another album. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could you know affect like. You know, like you can tell the two albums apart, you know, and that's how I reckon it should be. So, so the Maori language, and forgive me here, lads, if I've if I've said it the wrong way, but is it the language that you're using? What's the correct or appropriate term to be using for it? Uh, you yeah. can you can call it Maori. You can call it Te Reo Maori. You can just call it Te Reo. Yeah. Okay. So you're yeah. getting a lot of questions about that from, so we in Australia are pretty familiar with it because especially here in Queensland, there's a, a hell of a lot of Kiwis here. And now my bridesmaid, the bridesmaid at my wife and I's wedding was a, a, a Maori lass. So we're very familiar with it, but a lot of people in Europe and the States aren't. So you're getting a lot of questions about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it's, I think, um, for me, um, I, I don't get, terribly offended when someone just straight up doesn't know how to say things or, or pronounce correctly but as long as they're trying and they're open like to actually you know yeah just listening to someone who who does know and you know when they say oh it's it's you know maori or it's te reo maori they're gonna go yeah okay cool um can you say that again so I can remember it, you know? Sure. Like yep. And I, I feel like, you know, spreading Māori, not just in New Zealand, but also the rest of the world, you know, is actually quite beneficial, I reckon, because, you yeah, know... It, it'll, it'll help out with that quite a lot. Because I think there's a lot of people who don't actually mind the idea of learning a language and speaking it. It's just that they... I feel like quite a lot of New Zealanders feel uncomfortable with speaking Māori because they feel like they would be disrespecting disrespecting it somehow. But sure, yep. it's kind of more disrespectful not to be speaking it because yeah, then the language dies it. out. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a problem here. Even though it's one of New Zealand's three official languages, um, it's not a compulsory language to learn at school. Um, you know... It, Pretty much no one knows how to speak Māori, so it's it's really hard to come by someone who you can actually have a conversation. Okay, with. yeah. So you guys, um, you guys obviously spoke start, at home from a very young age. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, me and Lewis um, started off our schooling at a Kurafopapa Māori, which is pretty much yeah Māori school, um, and we went there. Well, I went there for I think it was about three or four years before I moved school, but. Um, yeah, we, we grew up speaking it and, um, you know, with the band and everything, we've kind of got back into it. There was a, a bit of a time where we ourselves um, lost it just because of the fact that it is so rarely spoken here. And mm. also there's kind of, there's no reason given to speak it. So it's, it is a hard thing to keep up for a lot of Māori and Māori speakers here. But, and also... One thing I'd like to address is that a lot of New Zealanders seem to think that, oh, I'm not going to learn Māori because I'm not Māori and why would I do that? You know, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to be <coughs> um, Māori to learn how to speak te reo Māori. And well, I'm, I don't think it's disrespectful, you know, if you mm-hmm. approach it in the right way, you know. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. The yeah. opposite, you know? 
Yeah, it's that respect for the culture and for the history and for the for the indigenous population. Stigma around it kind of goes away, then it'll be much easier for people to you know open up to it. Well, I think that's why it's so wonderful what you you lads are doing with it because you're breaking down barriers. That's exactly what you're doing, and you're really the first band, certainly that I'm aware of, to be doing it in a heavy metal scenario. Yeah, well, I mean, we're also the first band that we've heard of. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that. I think you might be the first band around because I did believe me. I did plenty of googling trying to find uh, another band, but I couldn't find another band that was was so singing in the language. Yeah, yeah. So do we. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a question we get asked a lot. Is you know, um, you guys seem to be the first one, first metal band to sing in Maori. Why is that? Why has no one else done it before you? And um, like. Kind of, we don't really know. I was going to say, how can you answer that? <laughs> it's yeah. impossible to answer it. But, 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 kudos to you again for the initiative there. And look, here's a question for you. Another a Kiwi fellow who I've met before is a champion of a human being is Johnny Too Good. So, and I understand you guys toured with him. So, what sage words and wise advice did he offer the band? Um, we actually didn't talk a huge, huge amount with John. Um, we were mostly talking to Tom because he was. Tom Larkin, the drummer yeah, from sure. Sheehead, um, he he actually produced uh, probably about half the tracks on the album, and so we were uh, working quite closely with him um, when we were recording. Um, when so, we did play with Sheehead, um, we did talk to Johnny uh, a little bit, but not a huge amount, and he was a real nice guy. He was real. Had some good banter. Real with. energetic and happy. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, very happy guys. A bit more. Um, energetic happy but also serious and blunt yeah i suppose being in the music biz for 25 or 30 odd years god he's been doing it for a long time sort of forces you to take that perspective sometimes doesn't it can be a tough old biz yeah Yeah. so so the other thing was one of the interesting things about you guys is you signed to napalm records now i thought they were on a bit of a um a pathway they were assigning a lot of legacy acts such as devil driver and alter bridge so how was the conversation initiated between the label and yourselves? Um, it was actually done through our German management. So Dust Machine um, kind of sorted that out and, and um, kind of we got involved in it and we, um, you know, kind of started talking and then, um, you know, pretty much Napalm said, hey, they're interested in getting us on as a as an act of theirs and... and Kind of everything went from there, and yeah, we it, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we're super stoked to be on um, Napalm because they, you know, they've got a lot of thrash metal acts, and they know what they're doing, and you know, they they can really open up a huge amount of opportunity for us over in Europe. So, are there, are there any bands that tour Europe fairly regularly that you're looking at maybe doing a bit of a partnership with and going on a tour with? <clears throat> um, well, we kind of uh, we we're already organising a few. We're, we've got a few things in the loop, but um, that's all uh, kind of top hush, secret. Hush. Yeah, it's gotcha. not hush, hush, hush. and it's not announced. So um, definitely just just keep up to date with our Facebook and stuff. And yeah, we'll do. Later, should, yeah. You, will find you should out. get the information from there. But I mean, <laughs> if there was a, if there was a band that like. Like a dream band that we could uh, like tour with. Uh, it, for me, it would most definitely be Lamb, Lamb of God. God. 
for me as yeah as well. Well, guys, from what I've seen of the vids on YouTube, they might have some trouble going on after you guys. Don't yeah, get well, me wrong, but geez, you oh, guys are putting in a massive show. Oh yeah, well, I don't think they would have any trouble, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're Lamb of God. They're gotta be careful not to um, Richmond, motherfucking Virginia, <laughs> not to uh, motherfucking scare them because we seem like stalkers. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, radio. Well, here's a band, and it's very left field, and you might know the band, but they're called Deaf Heaven. Now, I'm a big fan of when bands who have virtually nothing in common with each other but can be broadly held under the banner of heavy metal tour. I would love to see yourselves and Deaf Heaven do something together. That would be the show of the year if that could ever be organised. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to come out and say this. I, I haven't actually heard them or heard of them, but I would... I'll definitely check them out. Check them out. They're nothing like you guys, but I reckon that it'd be, oh, yeah, D-E-A-F-H-E-A-V-E-N, all one word. Have you um, heard of a band called 12 Foot Ninja? Yes, oh, they're a Kiwi band, yeah. Kiwi? No, oh, New Zealand. Aussies. Oh, 12 Foot Ninja? What was the one from, was it 8 Foot Sativa was from New Zealand? 8 Foot Sativa, New Zealand. Yeah. And 12 Foot Ninja, uh, they're actually playing in New Zealand this week, and we're going to see that show, yeah. Oh, rock and roll, there you go. Yeah, and look, lads, final question, because I've got to wrap it up, because time, unfortunately, is drawing to a close. These interviews always go far too quickly, but um, when yeah. can we see you guys over here? I know you only came over here, it was a few months back, wasn't it? But I, I think you, you're over here for the playing at the Jubilee here in Brisbane on, on a festival, but are you, is that for a big tour, or is is that just uh, for Sado yes, Desire? Yes, going to be doing a couple of shows over in Aussie uh, beginning of July, Um one of which is Dead of Winter. Yeah. July 7th. Um, we're also going to be playing in Melbourne and Sydney. Well, it'd be nice to try to catch up with you guys there. I'm from Brisbane, as I say, Queensland, Brisbane, and, and I'll be going to that show. So um, if I see you lads there, I'll shout out and I'll say, hey, remember our chat. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. I'll be happy to see you there, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the conversation, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Good interview, man. Oh, thank you very much, brother. Okay, cheers. Yeah. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my conversation with the members of the band from New Zealand called Alien Weaponry. Thank you so much for listening.